Hello, and welcome to another episode of JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. I'm Jeffrey, Minister and Chaplain at JG Ministries, and I'm glad you joined us. Turn your Bibles to chapter 17, verse 11 of the book of Luke, and let's get into it. Now, last time we started to unpack chapter 17 with our discussion on sin, faith, duty, and, for, and forgiveness. So now let's continue with the healing of Jesus of the ten lepers. Now this narrative stresses several characteristically Luke-like themes. Jerusalem is the goal of Jesus' journey. Jesus has mercy on social outcasts. He conforms to Jewish norms by requiring that the lepers go for the required priestly declaration of health. Faith and healing should bring praise to God, and the grace of God extends beyond Judaism, with Samaritans receiving special attention. So let's read verses 11 to 19, the lepers cleanse. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Taking a look at verses 11 to 14. The sin of unthankfulness is another peril in the life of the disciple. And this is illustrated in the story of the ten lepers. We read that the Lord Jesus was traveling towards Jerusalem along the borders of Samaria and Galilee. Though we do not know exactly where this miracle occurred, what Luke does consider important is Jesus' progress toward Jerusalem. The village lies somewhere in the border territory between Galilee and Samaria, so Jewish and Samaritan lepers share their common misery at its edge. As Jesus entered this certain village, ten men who were lepers saw Jesus. And because of their diseased condition, they did not come near to him, but they did cry out from a distance, pleading for Jesus to heal them. The lepers maintained their proper distance. They called out to Jesus, asked only for pity without specifying any request. Jesus rewarded their faith by telling them to go and show themselves to the priests. Now this meant that when they reached the priest, they would have been healed from the leprosy. Now the priest had no power to heal them but he was designated as one to pronounce them clean. Obedient to the word of the Lord, 
the leopards started out toward the priest's dwelling. And as they went, they were miraculously cleansed from the disease. Now, Jesus' command required obedience based on some faith in his healing ability. And in verses 15 to 19, we see that on their way to the priest, the lepers are cleansed. And Jesus, however, uses the more comprehensive word, made well, when he speaks to the Samaritan who returned to give thanks. The stress in this story is on the openly expressed gratitude of the Samaritan who alone brought praise to God. They all had faith to be healed, but only one out of the ten turned back to thank the Lord. This one, interestingly enough, was a Samaritan, one of the despised neighbors of the Jewish people with whom they had no dealings. The Samaritan falls down on his face, which is the true posture of worship, and at the feet of Jesus, which is the true place of worship. And Jesus asked if it were not true that ten had been changed, but that only one, this foreigner, this Samaritan, had returned to give thanks. Where were the other nine? None of them came back to give glory to God. And turning to the Samaritan, the Lord Jesus said, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Only the grateful 10% inherit Christ's true riches. Jesus meets our turning back and our giving thanks with fresh blessings. Your faith has made you well suggests that whereas the nine were cleansed from leprosy, the tenth was also saved from sin. Now this ten lepers story seems to be told not only as one of Jesus' miracles, but also to show that he gladly used his power to heal on behalf of those who would not even thank him for it. And it illustrates the kind unresentful heart Jesus had been talking about. Also, it shows the Samaritan in a good light compared with those of Jesus's own race. And now we come to the coming of the kingdom of God concerning the coming of the kingdom. Luke contains two major discourses about the future, the present passage and also in chapter 21. Now, both of these have close parallels to Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And in Luke chapter 17, he stresses God's acts directly from heaven in contrast to the besieging armies of chapter 21. Also, the prohibition against lingering is stronger and more urgent here than it will be in chapter 21. The Pharisees' question about the kingdom initiates this new cycle of Jesus' teachings. And this includes, number one, a saying about the coming of the kingdom that is unique to Luke's gospel. Secondly, the discourse on the coming of the Son of Man. And thirdly, a parable of encouragement for those who wait for vindication when the Son of Man comes. So now let's look back at our scriptures here to verse 20, and let's read the coming of the kingdom. 
Now when he asked, or was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. He said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let not come down to take them away. Likewise, the one who's in the field let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where? Lord. So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. It's hard to know whether the Pharisees were sincere in the question about the kingdom or just mocking. In verses 20 to 21, we do know that as Jews, they entertained the hopes of a kingdom which would be ushered in with great power and glory. They looked for outward signs and great political upheavals. The Savior told them the kingdom of God does not come with observation. That is, in its present form, at least. God's realm did not come with outward show. It was not visible earthly. Temporal kingdom, which could be pointed out as being here or being there. Rather, the Savior said the kingdom of God was within them, or better, among them. The Lord Jesus could not have meant that the kingdom was actually inside the hearts of the Pharisees because these hardened religious hypocrites had no room in their hearts for Christ the King. But he meant that the kingdom of God was in their midst. He was the rightful King of Israel and had performed his miracles and had presented his credentials for all to see. But the Pharisees had no desire to receive him. And so for them, the kingdom of God had presented itself and was completely unnoticed by them. The time of the coming of the kingdom was important, both to the Pharisees and to the Christians of Luke's day, though for different reasons. Jesus had already made it clear that the kingdom was already present. He will shortly indicate by a parable that the full expression of the kingdom does not take place in the immediate future. 
The present passage is therefore important as a further definition of the nature of the kingdom. In answer to the question when, Jesus says that the kingdom will not come as an observable process. That is, it's going to come suddenly. Jesus would hardly tell Pharisees, most of them whose uh, uh, most of them who interrogated Jesus that were unbelievers that the kingdom was within or among them. Luke's presentation of the kingdom in Jesus' teaching is dynamic rather than psychological. The idea behind here it is or there it is is that of the kingdom's authoritative presence. And Jesus is thus saying that the people are the subjects, not the timekeepers, of God's kingdom. And with that, let's leave here for today. And next time, we'll pick it up right here and finish chapter 17. Until next time, God bless you and keep living Christian strong.